Shalom Aleichem, my friends. Uh, it's uh, Erev Shabbat Shuvah of Tafshin Pei Beis, 5782. And due to uh, space considerations and, uh, and whatnot, and uh, restrictions, and uh, uh, being able to try and reach as large of an audience as possible, so I thought that it would be wise to go ahead and give the uh, Shabbat Shuvah drasha to record it on video and send it out, and that way people could uh, watch it at, uh, at their leisure at a time which is uh, most convenient uh, for them and without having to, uh, to necessarily put themselves in an uncomfortable situation of, uh, of having to sit too close to people or wanting to sit without, without a mask. So I'm going to divide this into two parts. The first part is going to, this part is going to be the halacha part where we analyze some of the halachas which are related to, uh, to tshuva and some of the, uh, the impact of that. And then the second half is going to be more agadita, more a thoughtful philosophical approach to, uh, to understanding uh, tshuva. So for the halacha part, so we're going to start with the following sources. And I hope you'll be able to, uh, to see this, uh, those who are going to watch the video rather than listening, so I hope you'll be able to, uh, to see. So we begin with a, a pasig and echa. A fascinating pasig we're going to see. Rabbeinu Yonah is going to quote this numerous times as far as the, in terms of the parameters of tshuva, but it begins really from a pasig and echa, which says, and that's what you have this uh, source over here, which is highlighted, nach Hashem. So I'm going to search my way and I'm going to uh, examine our ways, and then I'm going to return to Hashem. And the question is, obviously, this idea of that I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to search and examine my, uh, my ways, what exactly does the search part of this equation uh, uh, mean? Uh, generally, uh, we think of things that when we come into Yom Kippur, when we come into the Shemei so we're already fully aware of the many uh, Averas which we have committed, we may have a whole list of them that we have in our mind. Uh, some people actually will go ahead and they'll write them out ahead of time. But the Averas which we have, so they're known to us, and we are prepared mentally and emotionally to go ahead and to confess, to say vidui for those, uh, those Averas. But here the Pasuk is telling us that really what we should be doing is we should be searching, we should be examining our ways. And the question is, what exactly is this search? What is this bedika, as it were? What are we searching for? Why is it necessary to search? If I'm an unaware that I did Navera, so do I necessarily have to go ahead and, uh, and search for that and try and figure things out? Do I have to rack my brains to come up with Averas, which I may or may not have committed? Or doing tshuva means uh, acknowledging these, the Averas which I have done, the sins which I have committed, and, uh, and, uh, and confessing for those uh, things and repenting on, on those things. So, Bidigas Chametz, which seemingly is a good precedent because that involves a search. So, we know that the purpose of Bidigas Chametz is the mitzvah, the mitzvah draban, and the rabbinic obligation of Bidigas Chametz is in order to be able to eventually lead to the mitzvah da'araisa. In other words, midaraisa, we have to destroy. There's a mitzvah of tashbisu to destroy the chametz which is in our midst, so that we understand that if I'm going to go ahead and successfully destroy the chametz which is in, in our midst, and I'm going to do a successful job without getting into all of the details and the lumdis related to it, but if I'm going to do a good job of bayura, bayamatsa, being sensitive to the prohibition against seeing and against possessing chametz, so obviously I'm going to have to go ahead and make an effort to find that chametz, to search that chametz until I find it, so, so that I can be certain that I've eradicated it entirely from, uh, from existence. 
But over here, when it comes to this uh, this pasuk, so here this pasuk is telling me seemingly that part of the tshuva process is to go ahead and search and examine my ways to see if I could find additional uh, sins. And the pasuk certainly sounds like it's creating some sort of obligation that I that I have to that I have to do so. And the question is, what exactly is the the context of that? What exactly is the meaning of that? Lamaisa, what do I need to do, and what's the uh, the goal in terms of this uh, search which I need to do. So here, what we're going to end up seeing over the course of this uh, this part of the, uh, the discussion is we're going to be going back and forth between Rabbeinu Yonah on the one hand and the Rambam on the other hand. Rabbeinu Yonah, for those who may not uh, be familiar, so he wrote one of the classic works on Musr called Shari Tshuva. That's the name of the, uh, the source over here. Shari Tshuva, the gates of repentance. In here, he, he lays out for us what exactly the obligation is, what the motivation should be, what the process is, very detailed analysis of, uh, of uh, what uh, is involved in doing tshuva in, in repentance. And then we have the Rambam on the other hand, the Rambam went ahead and famously wrote in, in part of the Yad Chazaka, part of his halacha work. So he wrote a uh, section on Hilchos Tshuva. He has 10 prakim on Hilchos Tshuva. Some people actually go ahead and learn a different parak, a different chapter of, uh, of uh, Hilchos Tshuva each day of the Seres Yemei Tshuva so that every year minimally, so they uh, they complete the halachas of, of Tshuva so they can be confident that they will have done so uh, successfully. So the Shari Tshuva, as we're going to see, so he actually discusses this uh, this issue. And he says, this is the beginning of Shar Shlishi, the third, uh, the third gate, I guess we would call it. And he says as follows. He says, So this is the opening uh, paragraph of this, uh, of this uh, section of the, uh, the book, this unit of, uh, of the Shari Tshuva. And he says that the person who's going to do Tshuva, so he's warned to go ahead and search his ways. The Kamala Avonos Vachatos, and to figure out all of the different sins, the different varieties of sins which he committed. And after doing a thorough search of all of one's behavior and all of one's uh, activities and actions and whatnot. So then the next step is after identifying all of those sins, is to go ahead and to uh, gauge the magnitude or the impact of all of those uh, different sins. How severe are those, uh, those sins? Because we know that there are some sins which are more severe and some which are le- less. Like the Pasuk says, this idea of searching, engaging, and uh, in examining is the Pasuk that we began with. That we're going to go ahead and we're going to search and examine our ways. And the purpose of this is to know, that a person should know, Make sure that you cover all the sins which you have committed. As well as, you should know exactly how guilty, how severe those Averis happen to have been. There are some sins which are so enormous that they're, uh, they, uh, in a sense, they reach the heavens. And then there are some that uh, that uh, sometimes an Avera is going to be equal to what could possibly be many other seemingly big Averas. So you have to have a, a hierarchy of what the Averas are, which ones are worse, which ones are less, because you have to do an appropriate tshuva for each one of them. And you have to make sure that your repentance 
is going to be consistent with the severity of the Avera. The more severe the Avera, the greater the Tshuva has to be, the less severe Avera, the less it has to be. And this is a sort of like a summary of the Mishnah at the end of uh, Maseches Yuma, which talks about different categories of Averas and the different type of Tshuva, which is going to be necessary in order to ultimately secure full forgiveness for each one of those uh, Averas. Kiladaito, Rav Avon Begadlo, because according to a person's understanding, so only then will he be able to go ahead and uh, uh, address properly that Avera. Nafsha Yiralo, when he understands how, uh, how, uh, how uh, terrible the, the Avera is. So then that will allow him to be able to, uh, to, uh, to fear, to, uh, to see how bad his behavior was. And then that will also allow the person to subdue his uncircumcised heart and then the person will go ahead and will be able to do a proper tshuva. So here also, the, the uh, Rabbeinu Yonah quoting this Pasuk and Eichav in this Nach Basad Rachinu Torah. So he's also emphasizing the importance and the need to go ahead and examine what exactly the uh, what exactly our favors uh, uh, were. And Rabbeinu Yonah actually, is, he, he elaborates on this, this, is actually early in the Sefer, this is in Sharishon, but in, in Sharishon, in the first unit of Shari Tshuva, so Rabbeinu Yonah goes that and he lays out a number of Ikarim, a number of essential, enumerates a number of essential principles which are necessary in order for one to do a full Tshuva. And he writes, this is now in Iker Yud Aleph. And here he's talking about, is the, we're going to see, he's going to mention two things in these two paragraphs. One is going to be an understanding of the, the, uh, the echos, the, the quality of, uh, of the, uh, the severity of the sins which one committed. And then the other is going to be part of the search is to understand the kamos, is to understand the quantity, the number of sins which were committed. So there's echos, which is quality or severity. And then there's kamos, which is the number of sins which have, uh, have been committed. In both of them, he, Rabbeinu Yonah enumerates them as two different ikarim, two different essential principles of tshuva. So he writes, So the 11th principle is to search one's ways. Like the Pasuk says, here's our Pasuk again. We're going to examine and search our ways and repent all the way until Hashem. And we'll get to the latter half of that Pasuk uh, later on. The Yasa came the Gimel Dvarm. And the reason why you want to go ahead and do this is for three reasons. What are those three reasons? Ha'echa, number one is, You want to make sure that you don't miss any Averas. So you want to go ahead and you want to be uh, reflect a little bit on your behavior to make sure that your list is going to be thorough and you have all of the sins which were committed so that you could go ahead and you could say vidu, you could confess and seemingly part of tshuva, you could do tshuva for that. Because vidui, that oral confession, is an essential part of the atonement process. And if a person ends up forgetting some averas, obviously he's not going to be able to say his vidui, he's not going to be able to confess, and then he's not going to be able to secure a proper kapar, a proper atonement. That's reason number one, to make sure you don't miss anything. Vasheni, the second thing is, person has to know that uh, how many sins which he committed, and this is going to also is going to be uh, helpful in terms of the hachna. That's what he says over here. Lachna lechana is to go ahead and to make sure that one is going to be in a submissive state of mind. 
that one is not going to be emboldened and be defiant against God, but rather one has to be submissive towards God and realizing the severity of one's sins is going to facilitate that uh, creating that frame of mind, that mindset. And the third thing is, even if a person goes ahead and commits to stop committing a particular Avera, still that the commitment, the, the desire to stop is not sufficient. So, a person has to think very seriously about the Averas which were committed so that one will be able to put up proper precautions and proper offenses and uh, protections to make sure that one doesn't fall back into uh, old and bad habits and repeat those sins again. And one has to be very guarded. He has to be very careful from the trap which the Yetzirah is going to have for the person. Because once you've already committed that Avera, so then in a sense, your soul, or you feel drawn towards them. And it's much more difficult to restrain yourself to exercise the necessary um, self-control to, uh, to stop, to restrain yourself. And this is the result of the fact that clearly the fact that you committed that Avera must mean that you treated it somewhat lightly. And you don't want the, the Yetzirah has already exercised some control and dominion over you in that particular area. And as a result of that, that's why you have to be extra cautious and you're going to have to put up more barriers to go ahead and protect yourself from committing that Avera again. Vine, and furthermore, he says, person's soul becomes ill as a result of that. It's no longer healthy. And when a person was sick and now they're starting to heal, they're starting to get better, they're starting to recover. So a person has to be extra cautious with their health and their behavior because you don't want to run the risk of having a relapse. So in order to make sure that one avoids a relapse, so you have to think very seriously and very clearly about what the Averas were so they can put up those barriers or those protections in place, those safeguards in place to make sure that you don't go ahead and commit those Averas again. So that is Iker Yudalf. That is the, uh, the principle, the 11th principle as far as Chuva is concerned. And that addresses, for the most part, that addresses the issue of the... Uh, uh, the, the, the quantity of one's sins. Make sure not to forget any of one's sins. This is Kamus. Make sure not to forget any of the, the, the sins and they'll be able to put the safeguards in place. Then in uh, the Shari Shuva, the same place, but Iker Yud Beis, the next paragraph says, Heker HaYud Beis, the 12th principle is, So one has to be aware of how great the punishment is for each one of the sins which were committed. Some of the Averas may carry the punishment of Malchus of lashes. Some of them will have the punishment of Kares. Some of them may be subject or so severe that the person deserves death in the hands of, of Basin. Why is it necessary to know these things? In order that a person has to be, should be aware of the severity of that sin, so at the time of the vidui, he'll be able to say a proper vidui. And the person should go ahead and he should be, have an embittered cry. And the fact that he went ahead and he angered HaKadosh Baruch Hu. 
Luman Yosef Lehichana, and the same thing, in order that one will be in a submissive uh, frame of mind rather than a defiant uh, frame of mind. Uleman Yifchad Me'avarosav, and a person should be afraid of the impact of what the, uh, the consequence of his sins happen to be. Because Ke'averos Achamuros, because that when it comes to these more severe types of Averos, like the Gemara in, uh, in the Mishnah, and the Gemara in Yuma tells us that Tshuva is only going to help to suspend the punishment, it will hold off the punishment, and Yisurin, but a person may have to experience some sort of suffering in order to go ahead and wipe the slate clean entirely. The Chenkasev, and that's what the Pasuk says, okay, and the rest of it we don't need. Uh, we don't need. So here we have an idea that as far as in Iker Yid Aleph, when the uh, Rabbeinu Yonah goes ahead and uh, uh, stresses the importance of knowing the number of sins which one committed. So I understand that that's that I understand the, uh, the, the three reasons why he said that you need to go ahead and reflect and you need to uh, make sure that you're going to get all of the, uh, the sins covered. But when it comes to the, uh, when it comes to the Echos the, the, the part of it, when it comes to the idea that I need to understand the severity of those sins, so that also I understand in a general sense that I need to know how severe the Aver was, so that I should be able to do a proper chuba, that my chuba should be consistent with the severity of the, uh, of the, uh, the Aver which, which was committed. But still this idea that I'm searching for something in order that I don't, that I'm, that I'm, that I'm, that I'm heretofore unaware of, so that's something which is a little bit strange. That's something that Rabbeinu Yonah didn't yet uh, elaborate on. And the question is, why does he say that that's going to be something which is so essential, which he went ahead and he said, uh, to go ahead and to search really well, to go ahead and find all of the Averas. A question still remains, why am I searching for Averas, which I don't even know necessarily that, uh, that I committed? What exactly is the search going to, uh, to try and accomplish? So to unravel this, so we're going to start with a, an interesting Gemara, and then we'll get to the, uh, to the Rambam. So the Gemara says, this is a Gemara in Rosh Hashanah, it's uh, over here in the other uh, sources, it's a Rosh Hashanah, it says Zion of Abayz, V'am Rabbi Yitzhak, Rabbi Yitzhak says, mekarim gazar dino There are four things which can rip up, can destroy a gzar din. So a person has, a person has committed some Averas, person did not repent for them as of yet, at, at the very least. And as a result of the fact that the person did not repent, so there's a gzardin. There is a decree that a person is going to have to suffer. There's a decree that a person is going to have to experience, let's just call it some sort of onish, some sort of punishment for that avera. But all is not lost yet, because even though there's a gzardin, there's a, a decree against the person for the averas which were committed, there are four steps that a person can take each of which could go ahead and will destroy Mikari, meaning destroy, will rip up that Gzardin, that, uh, that decree. What are those four things? Sadaka, the giving of Sadaka. Sa'aka, crying out, that's what we call Tfila. Tshuva, uh, Tfila, uh, Tzedaka. So we got Tfila and Sadaka over there. And then the third and the fourth are interesting. The, uh, the Gemara says, Shinoi Hashem, changing one's name. And number four is Shino Maisa, is changing one's behavior. And it's interesting that this Gemara, which the Gemara does not record any dissenting opinion about this, that these four steps, tzedakah, davening, changing one's name and changing one's behavior is, uh, is, uh, is subject to, the, to dispute, any sort of dispute. Uh, 
And in fact, the Rambam goes ahead and he records this. The Rambam in Hilchos Tshuva, so he goes ahead and he codifies this and he sees this process, this statement of Rabbi Yitzhak from the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah, he sees this as a part of the Tshuva process. And he writes as follows. He says, Midarki, this is paired based halacha da'od in the Rambam. He says, Midarki at Shuva, Lios Hashav, Sorik Tamid Ifne Hashem, Bebechi Betachaluni. So he says, the way of somebody who's doing Shuva, the way of repentance, is for the Shav, the person who's repenting, to be Tsoik Tamid, to be davening, to be crying out to Hashem and davening in prayer all the time, Ifne Hashem before Hashem, Bebechi with tears of Betachaluni and supplications. Vaose, Tzedakah Kafi Kocho, take out the, uh, the gimel over there. You go ahead and you're going to give Tzedakah according to one's ability, Kafi Kochan. And you got to stay a great distance away from the particular sin which was committed. And then he says, And then the Rambam says that another one of these parts of Tshuva is, is to change one's name. So that corresponds to what the Gemara said in terms of Shinui Hashem. And what does, what's the meaning, what's the significance of the Shinui Hashem? So it's a fascinating thing. The Ramah says, well, if you go ahead and you change your name, I don't know if that means legally you change your name, what exactly he means. But he says, Kalomer, in other words, Ani Acher, I am somebody else. I have a different name, and I'm no longer that person who went ahead and committed those acts. And therefore, that's another way of separating yourself from your past self that did commit those other errors. And now you say, moving forward, I'm a different person and I'm no longer associated with that sinful person in those uh, sinful deeds. And then he says, Ooh, and you go ahead and uh, the last thing is, which is the, la- the last one enumerated by Rabbi Yitzchak. The last thing is, is you're going to change your behavior entirely, Maisef Kulan, Litova. And you're going to transform your formerly bad behavior into something which is good, Uladir Cheshava, and a straight path, Vigolim and you exile yourself from, uh, from, uh, from, your, uh, from your place. Because, as the Ramam says, Shagolus Mechaperis Avon, he says the advantage of exile is because it's difficult to be haughty when one is not on their home turf. When you're wandering around in somebody else's domain, in somebody else's uh, property, in somebody else's uh, stadium or somebody else's field, so it's very hard to go ahead and be uh, to be haughty. You don't have that comfort to be able and the luxury of being able to be haughty. And this will get a person to be an anav, to be uh, humble and and to be of a, a lowly uh, spirit. So that's the advantage of that. But the main thing which we're going to focus on from this Rambam is this idea of Shinui Hashem and Shinu Maisa. Now it's interesting, besides the fact that the Rambam does quote this as part of the Tshuva process, but what's interesting is Rabbeinu Yonah does not quote this at all. You can look through the entire Shari Tshuva from beginning to end, the hundreds of pages of, of Shari Tshuva, and the Shari Tshuva for some reason does not bring down this statement of Rabbi Yitzhak, which is a little bit strange because if the whole point over here is to go ahead and elaborate on the, uh, the tshuva process. And seemingly, Rabbi Yitzhak's statement is related to the tshuva process. So why doesn't Rabbi Yonah go ahead and, uh, and, and bring that, uh, that, that down? So what we need to understand is what exactly is the Shinu Hashem and the Shinu Maisa? Because clearly the Rambam may see Rabbi Yitzhak's statement as 
a, uh, is uh, details that are part of the process, uh, part of the tshuva process, but Rabbeinu Yonah does not. That may be something which will destroy Exardin. It's not that he disagrees with Rabbi Yitzhak. He can't disagree with Rabbi Yitzhak. Uh, a Rishon can't disagree with somebody in the Gemara. So he's not disagreeing with the, the fact that these uh, activities of tzedakah and davening in Shinu Hashem, change your name and change your behavior, will necessarily um, uh, 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 affect the a destruction of a Gzar Din, but he just doesn't hold that this is part of the tshuva process. And the question is why? So to understand this, first we have to think. The, the Rambam says, he explains the idea of Shinu Hashem. He says, Shinu Hashem, Meshanah Shemokalomar, the main, the thrust of that is, I'm a different person. And since I'm a different person, I can no longer be held accountable for the Averas which were committed beforehand because that represents a different person than I am now. So this change of name is not really, does not follow the technical procedure of tshuva. Tshuva, as we know, involves harata, it involves regret over the past. Vidui, right now, I have to confess in, in the moment, the Averas which I have done, that's a way of saying that uh, cutting myself off from those past behaviors. And then I have to go ahead and I have to move forward and I have to make my Kabbalah Allah I have to make my commitment towards the, the future. So Harata, Vidui, Kabbalah Allah three different steps. And Shinui Hashem, changing my name, doesn't, doesn't really represent uh, any of that. Maybe a little bit of Vidui if you stretch the definition of Vidui a little bit. But this idea that I'm somebody else and therefore, it's not me who committed those Averas. So that's something which is, uh, which is a little bit uh, unusual. And when we talk about Shinoi Maisa, we talk about changing one's behavior. So it also is a very curious thing because what does it mean to just go ahead and to be Meshanet Maisa of Kulan Latova? I transform all of my behaviors to good. So all that essentially means is I stop doing the Avera. But stopping doing the Avera in and of itself is not part of the Tshuva process necessarily. Because all it means is I just stopped doing that Avera. It doesn't mean that I have harata on the past. I haven't done any vidui whatsoever. I haven't uh, confessed any of my sins. Maybe it's related to my behavior moving forward in the future, a Kabbalah al-Asid. But it doesn't even say that you're making a commitment about that. All you did was in the moment, you went ahead and you changed, the, you changed around your behavior. So if all you did really was in the moment, changed around your behavior. So how is this going to be? Uh, how does Rambam see this as part of the, uh, the tshuva process? And however, the Rambam is going to see this as part of the tshuva process. Uh, why is it that Rabbeinu Yonah does not go ahead and uh, include it as part of the, uh, the tshuva process? So, um, the, uh, so the, the way that the, uh, the Rambam seemingly understands this is that this is part of, going back to the original source of Nach Hashem, that I'm supposed to go ahead and I'm supposed to search and examine my ways and return to Hashem. And in a general sense, what that means is, what I'm trying to accomplish is, I'm trying to get the, myself to the point where I am no longer connected with that person who went ahead and, and, uh, and did those sins. That I'm, uh, as the Rambam said, I'm a different person than the one who went ahead and did these actions. And there is no hemshef, there's no continuity between the person who went ahead and did those things and what I'm doing now. So it doesn't follow the regular gedarim, the regular parameters, the regular steps of tshuva, 
but it is effective in terms of getting us to a place where the person is no longer going to be committing that, that, that Avera, which in many ways represents an essential part of the process. You can't really change the past anyways. The past is already uh, behind us. You can't change the, uh, what's, what's already done, but I can't affect how my behavior is going to be moving forward. And this Shinui Hashem, and the Shinoi Maisa represents a fundamental change in who I am and what I am, and creating that fundamental change. So, as we're going to see later on after we examine Rabbeinu Yonah, as we're going to see, this is actually a major component of the tshuva process, not just something which is a technicality that I'm no longer that person because I've changed my name and I'm no longer that person because I've changed my behavior, but this is going to represent a fundamental change in terms of the muhus, in terms of the essence of who you are. And it's that fundamental change, which is what we are looking for. And that's what these things are going to accomplish, even in the absence of the technical steps of harata, regret, Vidui, which is the confession and the uh, and the uh, Kabbalah al Asid and the uh, commitment towards the uh, the future. But what about Rabbeinu Yonah? According to Rabbeinu Yonah, so obviously since he did not quote this Gemara, the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah, anywhere that this is part of the uh, the tshuva process, so we're still left wondering what exactly is going to be this uh, this necessity of Nach Basadrachenu Benach Korah, the search and the examination which I do to find my sins. What role exactly does this research play in the uh, in, in, in the tshuva process? So Rav Hubner explains that he uses the example. He says that if one studies the halachas of Lashon Hara, and this is not going to be a shir on Lashon Hara, so you don't have to get uh, scared, but he says that when it comes to Lashon Hara, so if you look through the Sefer Chavetz Chaim, for example, so you'll see that many of the statements which Chazal make about somebody who is of uh, the severity of somebody who speaks Lashon Hara and the, uh, the terrible punishments which are going to be in store for the person who speaks Lashon Hara, that's going to be reserved not for a person who simply speaks Lashon Hara, a misaper Lashon Hara, somebody who uh, recounted or uh, said over some Lashon Hara, but those severe uh, consequences are reserved for the Baal Lashon Hara. The Baal Lashon Hara is a person who's made speaking Lashon Hara part of his existence. It's something which everybody knows this person. He always has the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the dirt on everybody else's behavior. He has his nose inside of everybody else's business and shares what's going on with everybody, with everybody else, and is critical of everybody. And that's a completely different category, a much worse category than somebody who just happens to speak Lashon Hara because the topic came up, or then somebody who that is their mahus, that is the essence of who they are. So now that we have this model in mind, that there's such a thing as a Mesapra Lashon Hara, somebody who just did Lashon Hara, and somebody who's a Baal Lashon Hara, somebody who Lashon Hara is part of the definition of their existence when you think about that person. So what you think about is not the kindness which they do, not the warm heart which they have, not their nice smile. But when you think about them, you think about the Lashon Hara which they say. So we have a similar thing, Rav says, when it comes to somebody who's doing tshuva. You can have a shav, somebody who repents, or you could go ahead and you can have somebody who is a baal tshuva, somebody whose essence is that of repentance. And the difference obviously is going to be a similar type of thing. A person who's merely a shav, a person who's merely going through the motions of tshuva, does the charata, 
even if he's sincere, but he does the charata, he says the vidui, he makes a commitment towards the, the, the future, but all of that may be something which is just representative of behaviors which he is doing, but those behaviors which he is doing is not something which penetrated into the very essence of who he is. It, has, it hasn't transformed him into somebody different. All it represents is something which he's doing with his body. So he is a shove. He is doing, he is doing tshuva, but he has not yet transformed into the Baal tshuva, which is a person who is now tshuva is something which is representative and expressive of the very essence of, uh, of who they are. And this is the key to understanding exactly, according to Rabbeinu Yonah, the importance of nach Because the person who is just going to be a shove, the person who just does tshuva, all they're trying to do is they're trying to, it's like a checklist, that uh, come uh, Tishrei time, so I have to go ahead and I have to buy apples and honey. I have to buy a new fruit. I'll eventually have to buy a lulav and an esrog. I have to go ahead and I have to build a, a, a sukkah. And, oh, I, don't forget, I have to go ahead and do tshuva on Aser uh, tshuva on Yom Kippur. I have to make sure to go ahead and I go through that process of charata, regret, and vidui, confession, and I go to my, uh, my Kabbalah al-Asid. I have to make sure to check those things off of my, uh, my to-do list as well. So such a person hasn't been transformed. They're just going through the checklist of things which they have to do. And they want to make sure that they cross their T's and they dot their I's and they've taken care of it. But it's not something which is penetrated into the essence of who they are. Somebody who's going to become a Baal Tshuva, somebody who's going to be transformed by the Tshuva process. So such a person, that is one who's going to be Nach Besadra, that person is not satisfied with merely being Yotze, with fulfilling his obligation and checking off on his, uh, on his to-do list all the things which he needs to do, but rather that person is going to, he's looking to transform, and the reason he's looking to transform is because he's trying to improve his overall life. He's not addressing particular things here and there which come up. He's trying to have a major life transformation. That's what the Baal Tshuva is, is, is trying to, uh, to do. And those different attitudes between the Shav, the person who is doing Tshuva, and the Baal Tshuva, the person who now personifies Tshuva, because it's transformed his essence. So this, you find two different phrases related to how HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, awaits uh, people who do Tshuva. So you have one phrase, which is, Ki yemincha pshuta lekabel shavim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu's right hand is stretched out in order to accept those who are going to do Tshuva, those who are going to, uh, to repent. So that is on the one end, that the hand is open and ready to accept them. And then you have another phrase, which is haposeach yad b'tshuva. We say this in, in Tachnum. That Kashbaruch is somebody who opens his hand for those who are going to do tshuva. And the fact that we have this, uh, this imagery that Kashbaruch is going to open his hands, that means in essence, his hand is closed. When you say his hand is outstretched, you mean chapshuta the kabbal shavim. So that means the hand is always in that place, ready to accept those who are doing tshuva. That's different when we say that if you come knocking, then I'll open my door. They're those people who are proactive and they give tzedakah all the time. You don't even have to ask them, but they've already, the check is already in the mail. And then there's those people who, if you ask them for some tzedakah, then they'll go ahead and they'll write you a check. It may even be a generous check, but they're not going to give until you go ahead and you ask. And in the same way, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, towards those people who are the Baal Tshuva, those people who now personify Tshuva, Tshuva is a transformative thing for them, and it now affects their entire essence and their entire being, Hashem's hand is simply out, ready to accept them. 
those people who are merely going to going through their to-do list. And one of the things on their to-do list is tshuva. So Kesh Baruch will say, okay, since you went through the process of doing tshuva, harata and vidui and kabbalah alasid, I'll open up my hand and I will accept the tshuva which you did because I'm a, I'm a nice uh, person and I'm somebody who encourages tshuva. And therefore I will go ahead and I will open up uh, uh, my hand. And that's uh, something, those two, di- those two different uh, models, those two different uh, metaphors of whether the hand is stretched out, whether the hand has to open, this captures the difference between somebody who is a shove, somebody who's merely doing repentance, doing tshuva, and somebody who's a baal tshuva, somebody who's transformed their entire being, and they're now a person who personifies the, uh, the, the tshuva process. And this actually relates even further, the Rafutner says, that in the, uh, the Yud Gimomidos of Rachamim, so we have two different uh, uh, references to tshuva. We say at the beginning, Hashem Hashem, and uh, the Gemara tells us that the name of Hashem, Yud Kei Vav Kei, so the reason why we say it twice is because he's Hashem Kodamachei, before we sin, and he's Hashem Achachei, after we sin. And just like the name of Hashem is the name of creation, that's why Gosh Baruch made Yesh Meyai and he created the world from nothing. So Rafutner explains elsewhere very, uh, very beautifully and very elegantly. He says that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world, the world only has enough power, enough electricity to go ahead and last up until the moment of sin. At the moment of sin, the world should really collapse on itself and nothing should exist anymore. Because once a person has rejected God, once a person has rebelled against God, the whole function and purpose of the universe is, is lost. And therefore the world should really collapse on itself. That's really what was meant when Hashem said to Adam, that if you eat from that tree, so you're going to die, meaning there will be no purpose in life anymore. The entire universe will not have purpose. But then Hashem Acharchei. Hashem went ahead after Adam Arishon Sin, he created a, a new universe. We may even call it a parallel universe. And in this parallel universe, so Hashem Baruch Hu recreated everything to allow for the person to go ahead and do tshuva. And that's the Chiddush of Hashem Hashem. Hashem, the same God who created the universe before we sinned, he is the same Hashem who went ahead and created a new universe after we sinned to allow to go ahead and to, uh, to do tshuva. But the name of Hashem is one which is the, has the creative power in it of yesh me'ayin, of creating a new essence. Then we have a phrase later on in the Yud Gimel Midos of Rachamim, we refer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu as v'nakei. He's going to go ahead and he's going to cleanse us of our averas. Cleansing is a very different process than, than, than creation. Cleansing is you have a garment. The garment became filthy. So you go ahead and you throw it into the washing machine or you go ahead and you scrub it and you get out the, uh, the dirt. So you haven't created anything which is new. You just realize, I like this suit. I want to wear this suit. I like this dress. I want to wear this dress. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to clean it so that I'll be able to, uh, to wear it. So it's a cleansing process to get rid of a stain, but it doesn't change the essence of that suit or the essence of what exactly that, uh, that dress is. So Futner says that you have two different uh, um, descriptions of God in terms of his acceptance of tshuva in the Yud Gimel Midos of Rachamim, that on the one hand you have the name of Hashem, the creative process, that which describes his mahus, his essence of who he is, that corresponds to the person who is the Baal tshuva, the person who is going to be the one who's, for whom tshuva is not merely a, 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 a series of actions which one is going to go through, but it really represents this transformative thing whereby I become a new, different uh, person. And then on the other hand, you have vinake. Vinake refers to a person who's merely a shove. 
This is a person who's going through the action of tshuva, will properly regret what he did. He'll properly confess, and he'll try his best to make a commitment towards the future Kabbalah Allah Asid. But at the end of the day, it's not something which is penetrated to the very kishkis, the very essence of who he is. It hasn't transformed his mohus, his essential being, and he remains somebody who's merely a shove, somebody who's doing something, but it's not something who he is. And that's why HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in such a case will open up his hand to accept such a tshuva. But it's not something which is already ready. The hand isn't already open. And that's why the tshuva, the HaKadosh Baruch Hu's response to that type of attitude is going to be limited to that vinake. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to cleanse away that avera, but it's not something which is going to be, uh, which is going to uh, represent a major transformation. So if we could summarize just very quickly these, uh, these two ideas which we have coming from the, uh, the Rambam and Rabbeinu Yonah, which really dovetail together very nicely. And they both end up describing that there's such a thing as a transformation. Rabbeinu Yonah sees it in terms of these, uh, these different terms, somebody who's a shav and somebody who's a baal in the necessity to search, somebody who's searching for their, their ways to find the averas doesn't merely want to cross their T's and dot their I's to make sure that they could check off on their to-do list. The fact that they did tshuva, they want it to be a transformative thing. And therefore, that's why the Rabbeinu Yonah enumerates the need to search for one's sins, both in terms of kamus, the number of sins which are committed, but also in terms of echos, in terms of the, the, uh, the, the quality or the severity of those averas, because one wants to be as thorough as they can, because they want the transformation to be as powerful as it could be, it, it is, is all-encompassing as it could possibly be. And the Rambam also agrees with this idea in principle, may come at it from a slightly different angle, but he agrees to this idea also in principle through this concept, which we have from the Gemara and Rosh Hashanah about Shinu Hashem and Shinu Maisa, that essential to the tshuva process isn't simply to go ahead and to stop doing the Averos and to go through the, the, the mechanical process of Charata and uh, Vidui and Kabbalah Al-Asid, but rather it's got to be something which is transformative, like the Rambam says, that the whole goal of tshuva is to be able to say, that I've been transformed. The person who did those averas represents somebody else. Somebody else who was a different personality, it was a different mindset, it was a different attitude. That person went ahead and committed those averas, but that's no longer me because I've either changed my name and as a result of the change of name, that represents a change of essence. The name of something always represents its essence. Or it is, the other uh, alternative Rabbi Yitzhak mentions, the Ramam codifies, is Shinur Maisa. When I change my behavior fundamentally so that I am no longer the type of person who does those things anymore, and I've now changed my ways, Kula Natova, Mishana Maisa, Kula Natova, that also is that transformative moment whereby I become a Baal Tshuva. I become a person who's transformed by the Tshuva process and not somebody who merely went through the steps of doing Tshuva, but didn't allow me to, uh, to, uh, to transform the very essence of who I am. So this is the end of the halacha part of it. And now we'll make the, uh, a second video related to the, uh, to the hashkafa part of it, a little bit more in terms of the transformative process of tshuva and a little bit more practical in terms of what one needs to do in order to be able to, uh, to accomplish that.